Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest news in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, you can hear us on air with RTE Friday evenings or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google or Spotify. Of course, keep you up to date daily with all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 831 and I'm delighted to welcome, as always, our editor-in-chief at Tech Central. It is Nal Kitson. How are you, Nal? Hey, Dusty. Live and direct from the COVID kitchen. Indeed. So listen, a couple of uh, interesting stories. Uh, first one out is uh, kids and money and online. And initially I was kind of looking at this story going, uh, 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 that's not right. You know Revolut? Yes, I'm a user of Revolut. Uh, are ah, you? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, and a lot of people will warn you about Revolut because they will say that Revolut is not a bank, which it's not. Uh, Revolution is not a bank, no. No, it's a payments provider and it's in uh, one of the Eastern European countries and there's something a little bit, hmm, I don't, I don't want to slur their reputation. Many, many, many people use them, but it's just, there could be a what if there. Oh, I don't know, Dusty. I think you're being a little bit unfair there, but I, I use it and there is, there is actually a, a funny story as to how I came to, well, funny, depending what you think um <laughs> i was uh frequenting a, a cafe that i go to very very regularly and they, they know me in there and that kind of thing and um i was uh i'd had a coffee or whatever and i went up to the up to the till and for uh for some reason uh just my laser card was not working uh whatever had gone wrong just the card was not accepting it uh they weren't taking cash uh, and I was very red faced over the over the whole thing. So what I ended up doing was uh, initially they said, look, it's it's cool. We know you just next time you're in, just, you know, mention this or, you know, transfer it to us over whatever. Like, it's fine. Uh, I said, oh, OK, right. So I was walking home and I went, hang on, there's this Revolut thing. Can I can I set it up? And I set it up, you know, five minutes waiting outside the cafe, went back in, used my iPhone to pay for what I'd had. And I was gone with a clear conscience. That's how easy and useful Revolut is. And they're getting into showing and demonstrating this ease and uh, uh, simplicity for kids. Hmm. Because for the last four or five months, they have introduced a card uh, specifically for seven to 17 year olds. Right. And initially, that sounds a little ominous. Do you know that kind of a way? It's kind of like um, a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, where, you know, kind of the child catcher is in the square going, Lollipops! <laughs> Credit cards. <laughs> but I think when I thought about it, I kind of went, well, actually, hang on. This is quite a good thing because firstly, uh, there is no credit card number on it. It's only for contactless payments. Mm. So when you look at it, uh, I don't think there's even a name on it or, or anything like that. Um, but th- there's definitely no credit card number. All right. Uh, so you're only able to use it like a McDonald's or whatever. You're buying a milkshake. Hopefully that's all they're buying. Um And then the other thing I was thinking about was, you know, kind of parents throughout the decades have always given their kids pocket money to teach them about money. Mm. And having kind of a very limited kind of a card like this is a great way of teaching kids about money. I had thought of it that way. So I'm just kind of like I'm sitting back in myself. I read that story initially with horror and then I've done a complete 360 and gone, wow, that's a really good idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I, I've, I've always been a pretty good saver when I was growing up because that was always imprinted upon me, the, the value of having money. And, you know, if you don't see anything you want now, well, hang on to it and you might want something later. And that, that was pretty, pretty good advice compared to uh, my friends at the time that would see something and just spend their money on it. Um, I, I was much more, uh, what's the word, um, parsimonious, maybe, uh, mm. in terms of my spending patterns. Um, what about you, Dusty? What, what kind of habits did you grow up with? Uh, I grew, like yourself, uh, I had a bank account since I was maybe eight or ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, you know, kind of, kind of communion money when you get a load of cash or confirmation money or whatever. At least you put some of it in there. Yep. And you would learn that lesson that, you know, kind of a year later, six months later, when you really wanted something, oh my God, there's an extra 20 quid in the bank. I didn't know that. Mm, yeah. That, 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 that kind of way. I'll tell you though, what I would like to spend my money on today. And that's our second story, which is Virgin Media, who have now announced that home broadband speeds of one gigabit. Mm, yeah. Four. That's, that, that's, oh my God. Uh, the pro- who cares? <laughs> you want a price on this? Can you put a price on that kind of speed? Uh, the speed, uh, the money they're looking for is uh, 85 euro per month. Mm-hmm. And for that, you'll get one gig down. Mm-hmm. But here's the rub. Yeah. Your uplink speed is 50 megabytes. Okay. Right. It's like, what? It's kind of like on one end, you've got a Ferrari. And on the other, you're looking at a tricycle. It's a very interesting uh, comparison, very interesting uh, simile. But why? You know, kind of, like, I suppose maybe because t- t- I'm an uploader, you see, right? I mm. suppose most people are probably downloaders and they're watching movies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas I'm making videos, I'm making radio programs and up- and if I don't have fast upload speed, believe me, that's pain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the, the key there is that it's home broadband. They're not really pitching it to businesses. Um, no, but I think it is available to business if business wants yeah, it. Yeah, of course, of, of course. But if the, if what they're saying is, you know, broadband in your home, watch 10 4K videos around your house, it's no bother. I mean, who does no that? I mean, my thing is always, you know, what's the point? What application will you be able to run with one gig that you're not able to with 100 or, you know, 40 or 50? Like streaming 4K video requires... 14 megs, right? So we'll say somebody in your household is doing 4K. Okay, so we'll say that's 14. We'll, we'll call it 15 megs, right? Somebody else in the house is gaming, which is which is reasonable. And maybe they're using an awful lot of power and an awful lot of, um, an awful lot of bandwidth as well. So mm. we'll say there's maybe three things in a house running at the same time. Now there's probably four, but let's, let's, uh, when you factor in smartphones that might be just connected and not really doing anything. You're, at tops, you're looking at 100 gigs. Now, that is a comfortable 100 gigs, right? So, sorry, 100 megs. as a comfortable 100 megs. So what do you need 10 times that for? Just to say that you can have it. Back to my Ferrari uh, um, scenario. Who needs a Ferrari? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and especially who needs a canary yellow Ferrari? Yeah. But also always the caveat is speeds up to right now. I get uh, my package is 100, 100 megs. Now mm. I will get 50 on a good day and not notice because I can gotcha. do everything I want to. Right. Gotcha. So they will say gigabit broadband, 
what are you actually getting once you factor in contention, once you factor in your distance from, uh, you know, your exchange, all these things, you know, it's, it could be a theoretical one gig as very often happens or an up to one gig, as mm. you'll find in, in mobile networks. Now they'll talk about speeds up to because they don't want to get nailed on saying you will definitely get this um, and not be able to deliver on it. So mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm always skeptical because are the applications there to take care of it? And to what extent are you covering yourself? Uh, because who is running speed tests all the time to make sure they're getting their, mm. their gigabit? The other thing, that, like you were saying about how many people are watching it, I uh, went to visit a friend of mine who's away from the city uh, and wouldn't have as good broadband as I. Mm. And we sat down to uh, watch a Netflix movie and yeah, it was fine. Bah, 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 bah. Watch it. And didn't even think about it. All right. Mm. And then I kind of went, hang on a minute. Is the internet is not great. I wonder how bad it is. Hmm. <laughs> so I am with the speed test. He was getting like, I think four gigs down, or sorry, four megabytes down. Yeah. And like, you know, not even a megabyte uh, going up. And I was going, yet we watched the Netflix movie. No problem. Yeah. Because ne- Netflix so, like, requires get, like three megs. I think they like that. Even like they were, and they were working on getting it much lower than that. So I think like three megs was meant to be like, mm. you know, the tough version, if you, if you mm. know what I mean, sort of on the assumption that you won't be getting that much. Uh, I think at one point, uh, Netflix were talking about you would need a uh, 500 kilobits connection, not even a meg. <laughs> This goes to show, doesn't it? I remember it? people trying to download photos that were 500 kilobits many, many years ago and they oh. would wait like an entire night for it to uh, arrive. However, that's another story. Yeah. Um, I think though it's interesting though, it's like how much do we need? How big does it need to be? How small does it need to be? Do you know what all this reminded me of? It reminded me of Tony Fenton, God bless his soul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I sound like my mother when I say that. Um, he was always a great one for the new mobile phone when it would come out. Because do you remember there was a point when mobile phones were getting smaller and smaller and smaller? Hmm. And Tony was always getting freebies of the new ones and stuff like that. And his little catchphrase was, oh, what's that under the paper clip? Oh, it's my new phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they got so small. And then they started getting gigantic again into this phablet size. And now we're kind of at this like nice happy medium of around, you know, kind of five, five point something inches. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the yep. new gig, uh, the new Pixel Four A, I think is five point eight, and that's kind of a sweet spot at the moment. Yeah, and the other thing that I'm noticing these days is uh, hard disk drives and and solid state drives, and hmm. um, because you know for quite a while there, one terabyte, two terabyte was kind of the standard they were putting into uh, in, into computers, and now hmm. all of a sudden it's two hundred and fifty gigs. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, how much do we need or whatever? I suppose it's just all part of uh, human uh, development. But anyways, fair play and hats off to Virgin Media for rolling out uh, one gig broadband. I am definitely going to be signing up for uh, that. Speaking of broadband, do you want to get your hands on the National Broadband Plan as published by the government? All 1,500 pages. 1,500 pages and most of them redacted. Oh, well, yeah, not most, but yeah, it's it's pretty heavily redacted. If you want to get into the really juicy stuff, you can't uh, on the grounds of commercial sensitivity. That wonderful word, wonderful phrase, that could mean absolutely anything. Uh, but yeah, it's apparently it's the most complicated contract of its kind in the history of the state. Given that it's been 10 years in the making, I would not doubt that. Um, yeah. 540,000 people it's going to mm. cover, if you can believe that. Households, Goodness. that is. 
Well, I can think of a, a much simpler and easier ways to find something to fall asleep with. What are you on about? <laughs> if I was read if if I was reading that, I would be falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yes, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you were to go through pages and pages of just things being blacked out, I mean, what's kind of what's the point, really? I, I, I just yeah. say, just get it over with. Just implement it. Now, of mm. course, the problem I have is the fact that uh, we eventually will be handing over uh, ownership to private interests at some stage. Um, that's the problem that's, I have. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's not go there then, huh? It's, it's true, though. I mean, the biggest <laughs> error the state ever made was selling off the um, uh, the telecoms network mm. at the same time as the operator. Um, yeah. Terrible idea, haunted us to this very day, and only now we're climbing out of that particular problem, hopefully with uh, National Broadband Ireland. But even then, like... Hopefully. After a certain point, it's going to go into private hands and we're going to be back to square one where you will see some users be served incredibly well and some incredibly poorly in whole. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Now, listen, my my final story for the week is not necessarily a news story, but I had a a very interesting experience uh, with Windows Mm -hmm. uh, and possibly serves as as an interesting tale for people. As you know, uh, the latest update is being rolled out at the moment mm-hmm. with Windows. And it's the kind of thing, this is one thing I don't like about Windows 10 is automatic updates or not even uh, automatic du- updates is one thing because I had a problem with a client of mine. Uh, I got a call like at eight in the evening going, we're off the air. Why? <laughs> and it's because their Windows 10 system had decided to install the latest version of Windows and then didn't reboot properly and something went wrong and it was a disaster. But anyways... Um, so I don't know why this is in my own studio, uh, Windows uh, 10, blah, 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 blah. I just come back off holidays, uh, needs to do an update, quick restart. Yeah, wasn't even thinking. I clicked restart and uh, and it was kind of it was the 2004 update. All right. Mm. April 2020 update. Oh, God, was, the oh, much God. maligned 2020 update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, so anyway, it went off and it did its thing and it started up and I logged in and everything was fine. Until? Uh, oh, just until I went to uh, open up Window Explorer to look at my data. Ooh. On a separate hard drive. Ooh. God. Really? Did not detect the drive? No, detected the drive. There was no data on the drive. Ooh. Now, you know how I am with backups and with security and having this data and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and on the Office uh, uh, machine, the way I had the setup was I was using Microsoft's uh, shared storage. Right. And the idea of that is that you have two hard drives, all right, which are working kind of in a, in a mirrored RAID configuration so that uh, they are uh, effectively a copy of each other. So that if one of the hard drives dies, at least you've got that on the other. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. And then uh, I would do, I had a backup system for all that uh, uh, as well. But I literally just looked at the machine and <laughs> you would have laughed if you saw me. My jaw just dropped. Because you can imagine with years of work and all of that data and everything that I had on there and it was like it was just gone. Yeah. 
So it was the initial shock and then it was kind of like a couple of minutes later I was going, oh my God, what's happened? What's how it's happened here? Uh, and then a couple of minutes later I was going, do I have the backup? When did I do my last backup? Now thankfully it's August and I was away for a bit so I haven't lost too much data since my last backup. So it was close. I was able to restore everything again. Mm. But that could have been a disaster. Uh, anyways, I was doing lots of uh, uh, reading about it afterwards and uh, yeah, a lot of people not happy with that uh, April 2020 update from uh, from Windows. It's not just you. Oh, it's definitely not me. And this is a, a thing that has happened to other people. And the way they're downplaying it is they're going, well, not many people use storage spaces anyway or shared spaces. So it's not a big thing. Uh, yes, we're aware of it. Um, and uh, there is no fix. That's literally, there is no fix. All right. Now, if it had rolled out and you're kind of looking a week into it and you're kind of going, oh my God, I've been stung. This was in June they first organized, they spotted this problem. Mm. Now the end of August. Yeah. And there's no fix. So, and there's no fix. So I was not a happy person at all. So that explains why I was I was telling you earlier uh, that uh, you had sent me over some uh, interview files and stuff like that and I didn't have them. And that's why. <laughs> and that's exactly why. Oh, so it, but it goes back to to backup, 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 backup. Now, I'm, 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 I'm insanely uh, uh, crazy about it because I do a lot, a lot of video and a lot of audio data and stuff. And they're big, 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 big files. OK, mm. so the likes of, you know, kind of Microsoft or Google or Dropbox or whatever kind of online storage is not really an option. But I have my system and I'm delighted that it worked mm. and I didn't lose too much. Yeah, um, but I'll tell you, I might think about for all my Word document side of um, uh, of of our operation, I might start thinking about Dropbox. Hmm. That's so you interesting. Go. You you would trust an online cloud service? No, you're saying that's interesting because I'm paranoid about them, or that's interesting because it's just interesting. Well, interesting because yes, you are paranoid, but you are a huge proponent of on-site storage. Uh, as in uh, here with me beside yes. me. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Why would you let it go to somebody? You never know what's going to happen to anybody else. Yep. It's not beyond the realms of possibility where that company that you rely on just go, oh, sorry, we're out of business. We're closed. Vump. Yeah. yeah. Everything's gone. That could entirely happen. Look at the, I'm, I'm talking about Microsoft, okay, who are, and as you know, I would always give Microsoft the credit for, you know, kind of um, supporting older versions of their software and programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you would think that Microsoft, with the reputation that they have, uh, that they will be trustworthy. Yet since June, they're putting out that piece of software, which I, amongst many others, are giving out of it. I admire your restraint for not putting an epithet in there. <laughs> Listen, on that note, let us wrap up the, uh, uh, the news. Niall, good talking to you as always. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Dublin City Council's Smart City programme looks at existing and emerging technologies such as IoT and how to best integrate these technologies into making Dublin a more connected city. 
to find out uh, what's been done so far and some of the very cool stuff to come, Niall Kitson spoke with Jamie Cutton, Smart City Lead at Dublin City Council. He started by asking about 5G and how that may affect us in the near future. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's really interesting. If you look at every decade, we see um, a new kind of, uh, I suppose, communication standard uh, emerge and, you know, 2G, 3G, 4G. And, and I remember back to when, you know, uh, was it Vodafone, you know, launched this idea of being able to watch TV as part of 3G and this idea of picture te- texting. And we we're all thinking like, who wants that? Is anyone actually looking for that type of service? And look where we are now, you know, <laughs> with WhatsApp, YouTube, et cetera. So I, I think we're just in that next um, decade or next generation of, of the future of connectivity and at the moment a lot of people talk about 5g and they're like well why do we need it um who's driving this and the reality is that while 4g has been extremely transformative in terms of what it's offered and what it can do and and the different service deliver the reality is is that you know we're just sucking up so much data and connecting so many more devices um on a daily basis even at home like i don't know how many devices you have now but it's just like it's crazy the amount of things or IP addresses that we have in our in our homes now. And I think, um, you know, what we're starting to see is with 5G is how can we future proof ourselves uh, to be able to take all the benefits of, of 4G and, and move it to the next stage? And really some of the ideas and concepts between 5G is how do we connect massive amounts of, of devices? And we're seeing an explosion in Internet of Things on that side. How can we, you know, have, you know, seamless a transmission of data that's uh, that that hasn't gotten any latency, so you can start doing really exciting things like you know thinking about the future of, of mobility and driving and cars and autonomy autonomy across technologies, or how do we think about the future of things like surgery or remote working and seamless connectivity? Um, and I think all that type of stuff, while it's driven initially by the research and industry, it, it absolutely creates new oppor- economic opportunities. And if you look at some of the the, the, the rush on, on 5G globally, like some governments are really taking this seriously and saying, guys, we need to be at the forefront of this and we need to be creating the future applications that underpin 5G. And, and we're very uh, happy to be working with the likes of Connect Research Centre, which is looking at the whole future networks uh, in Ireland based in Trinity College. It's a Science Foundation Ireland uh, centre. And I'm working with the whole ecosystem. And, and the great thing about... Um, 5G, I guess, is that, you know, if, if we don't work together, we won't get there. But there's a great collaborative um, ecosystem in Dublin and in Ireland to really take this opportunity with the right policy moves, the right uh, regulations, um, because it's not it's not so straightforward building these networks. Uh, looking at policy uh, and I suppose deployments as well, I think one of the great uh, mm, Errors in telecommunications really uh, was was the separation of attitudes towards operators and towards network build out that, uh, you know, the operators will be looking for the commercial argument, but very often to the detriment of the networks actually, you know, rolling out to traditionally not very profitable areas. Do you think we're going to have to look at a change in which networks are developed and rolled out as well as getting, you know, those raw speeds in place? Yeah, I mean, the, the game changer, I guess, for, for 5G is just it's to do with the, the spectrum that it sits under. So to enable these these super fast speeds and low latencies, you, you need to have a lot more uh, densification of, of the equipment and, and the network. So while we're used to kind of traditional, like these kind of towers or equipment on rooftops uh, or these macro sites as, as what they're known, um, generally they could be built 
uh, in conjunction with private and public operators. But they, they were kind of more, you know, didn't require the the use of city assets like street lights or or other other furniture to kind of deploy this equipment. The, the game changer, I guess, with five G is that you'll need like thousands and thousands of these sites and cities um, with a bit like they're a bit like Wi-Fi access points. Imagine having lots of those across your city uh, mounted on, on on street poles. So so really, that's a game changer because it means that the role of the city council, like Dublin City Council, will have to be much bigger than it ever has been. And you have to figure all these kind of really boring things like how do we put these things up on the lamppost? How do we get power? How do we get fiber to them? We have heritage poles. Are we happy to put things up on on the heritage poles? And then the concerns about clutter in the city, if there's like all these uh, equipment boxes, you know, will it ruin the kind of look and aesthetics uh, of our of our heritage city? So these are all the type of things that we're kind of grappling with. But what what's really clear is that, you know, we probably, well, firstly, the operators won't be able to afford uh all going along, putting up their own own equipment. So, you know, someone needs to figure out how to make that more efficient. And this idea then is to look at this concept of, of neutral hosts or shared uh, uh, infrastructure where, you know, maybe the sharing is on on, on the radio spectrum on, on, on equipment that's jointly used by uh, the different operators. It's quite a disruptive model. It's, it's almost like, you know, telling an IT department, you know, uh, traditional IT that you need to move from your physical servers to the cloud and you need to do it like almost tomorrow. And there's always resistance to change. And I guess the, the telecom uh, operators are kind of, you know, focused on all using different types of equipment, very proprietary, whether it's an Ericsson or a Huawei or a Nokia. Um, and I guess, you know, we're seeing a lot of controversy there as well. But, um, but really the opportunity is maybe to move away from physical and virtualize uh, this. It's a bit like moving to the cloud and could we have a world where this is just much easier uh, to deploy as a shared uh, asset and really all the innovation and stuff is happening in the background in a virtual cloud-based uh, environment? And, and if we can get there, it's a win on both sides. It's, it's less clutter in the city. It's better coverage across the city. And, and hopefully we can encourage, if the operators want to use our assets, we can you know, hopefully encourage them to, to connect yeah, bigger parts of the city, the parts of the city that need it most, and that we're not looking at, you know, first come, first served, grab an asset grab where, you know, it's just, you know, it's just solving a problem for a single operator. And then, you know, whether you're with three or air or Vodafone, you're getting coverage in one part of the city and not the other. And it's just, it's not good for the consumer. So, so I guess what we've done with this policy paper is kind of tried to map out how can we avoid this, you know, messy future and how can we all work together to make it better uh, and better outcomes for, for everyone. Yeah, and one of the points that you've raised is this sort of need for local alignment. Uh, basically, towns and uh, cities across the country adopting the same mindset in policy and organisation and investment, uh, and even down to the organisational structure of having dedicated digital and broadband officers. Are you finding uh, any particular resistance uh, in sort of pitching that, look, you're going to have to change the way you operate to to embrace new networks? Uh, or is there, there this realisation that, look, we all want to be leaders in this field and if the cost of that is, you know, having good infrastructure, well, then everybody wins. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not easy because there's so many, uh, I suppose, stakeholders um, involved. And 5G actually is re- really interesting. I hosted a, a kind of a national uh, working group on, on 5G on the back of this this report. And we had, um, I think, about 12 different organizations represented. And this doesn't include the operators or the vendors. This is like 
local authorities, asset owners, and um, policy from a national level, and um, likes of Comreg, research centres, IDA, EI, and you're kind of like, guys, who's going to you know step up and pull this together at a national level so we can make sure we power ahead and take the opportunity, and uh, and I think um, that that's the the complexity. So from there's challenges at all parts of this kind of puzzle. So from a local authority perspective, you're trying to encourage asset owners, the, the guys who own the street lights or manage the street lights or the traffic infrastructure, or we have ducting across the city. You're trying to say to them, okay, we need to think beyond just single use for these. And we need to think how could we allow those assets to be used um, on, on, on a basis of, of, of accessing it for the, the, the telecom operators or, or people who operate that asset on, on behalf of themselves so so it's kind of um that that's a challenge you want and we've created a new um strategic asset manager role in dublin city council to kind of change that thinking but then you've also got um you know the mobile operators in terms of you know they've they've always built networks a certain way so this is a complete change uh, for them moving to kind of uh, lots of sites and small cells and that's even without thinking about this idea of you know neutral host and you know, virtualization of, of networks and things like that. So, and then who pays for it and what's the business? And then, then you know, I'm going to mention it because you're probably going to ask it anyway. Then there's also the concerns in terms of, uh, you know, people concerned about health and safety and, and that aspect of, of 5G and also misinformation on, you know, potentially it causes COVID-19, which I, I just don't know where that came from. But so so we're kind of, we're kind of hitting challenges on all sides um, and it really requires people to stand up and take a lead and say, guys, you know, we need to to, to, to push through and, and address these issues. Otherwise, we just get left behind. The opportunity is too big not to take it. And uh, and I really think, you know, 5G is one of the biggest opportunities we'll see um, in, in technology space. And I know people, you know, push back and say, well, you know, it's all driven by industry and research. It's not really consumer driven. It's not very relevant. And you're like, no, no. Think about 4G, think about 3G, think about 2G. You know, at the start, we didn't think it was relevant. This will be the most relevant thing uh, that will ever hit us, that will have you know, massive societal impact in the long term. And Ireland, you know, with our digital DNA and the companies we have here, if we don't get ahead of the curve, we could be left behind. Speaking of getting ahead of the curve, uh, you yourself have put together a five to ten year roadmap uh, on where you see five uh, G deployment going. We're we're already two years into it now. Um, where where do you see? Uh, are are you happy where we are? And where do you see us ending um, up? Well, I think um, you know what we could we definitely saw. I mean, Ireland was was pretty good in terms of some of the spectrum auctions on on five G spectrum uh, about two thousand and seventeen on the on the, the three point six gigahertz band. Um, and, and some of the operators, you now I know three haven't uh, deployed yet, but some of the operators have minimal kind of coverage across Ireland. And the reality is, I mean, if you ask, you know, most people that, you know, do you have 5G? They'd be like, why would I need that? You know, so it's certainly not from a consumer's perspective, really, it, you know, people haven't really got too excited uh, about it. Um, I think there's there's another bit of spectrum that's that's hopefully going to be released uh, this year um, towards or maybe next year, actually next year by Comreg. We'll we'll give a bit more kind of capacity to to really build these um, networks. I think you know we're still at the start of, of the journey. Even internationally, you know, people are trying to figure it out. Even the devices and the equipment uh, and the technologies haven't really been developed or released at scale yet. So it's still very. I mean, the first handsets, as you know, only really got um, released in the last maybe six six months. And even Apple 
haven't released a 5G phone yet. So, so there's a lot of catch up to do. So my, my view is, you know, rather than, you know, everyone sit back and, and, and wait until the demand is like, we know this is going to take off in, in the next couple of years. And a lot of the things we need to do from a policy regulatory perspective are probably going to take uh, one to two years minimal to kind of get them sorted. And I'm like, we need to start planning for that now. And that's why we, I suppose, we, we developed this, uh, this, this paper discussion paper on 5G and, from the Dublin City Council perspective, we're also going to go out to the market um, in, in the start of September to really start a serious conversation in terms of how we could facilitate uh, supporting the rollout of small cells and 5G and hope to hear back from uh, the technology vendors and the, and the operators in terms of how they uh, might see that happening. And we're definitely starting to see conversations with some of the key operators starting to think about how do they build this type of standalone 5G small cell network particularly between the canals uh, in the city. So that's kind of exciting to see that uh, happen. But I think, um, you know, we probably won't see, you know, mass rollout and adoption of 5G till probably the end of, you know, 2021, 2022. Um, but I still think there's a lot of things we can do on the R&D and research side um, to really kind of, I suppose, strengthen Ireland's credentials in this space. And certainly from what I can see, working with the likes of Connect and Industry, there's a huge amount of talent uh, in Ireland in the whole area of telecoms um, from you know 2G to 3G to 4G and they'll all you know all of them will move up to, to 5G and, and, and antenna and radios like the Towglass, Benetel there's some brilliant uh, companies and really smart people and we just want to make sure that they can you know deploy and, 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 and showcase their technologies locally uh, as opposed to having to do everything across across the water you know and that was Niall Kitson chatting with Jamie Cudden, Smart City Lead at Dublin City Council. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio Next. Until next time, from myself, Dusty, and from Niall, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.